Expectations for Tennessee this football season and what to look for in fall camp starting next week. That, more conversations from SEC Media Days, Ward Wednesday, a whole lot more. It's a Wednesday Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into it. This is Locked on Vaults. I'm your host, Eric Kane. You can always find me on Twitter if you got a question or a comment at underscore Kaner and at Locked on Vault. Shout out to everydayers. Appreciate you for being here and uh, making this show what it is. Got a fun show coming up. Going to play the second part of my conversation with Chris Gordy from Radio Road at SEC Media Days. That's going to happen in a couple of seconds. We'll get into Josh Ward in segment number two for a little Ward Wednesday. And then we'll get back to our Scouting the Opponent series, a big game on the schedule, and one that we're not talking enough about, in my opinion. That is Texas A&M. That's the show rundown here for Wednesday. Without further ado, played part one yesterday. Let's get back to my conversation with Chris Gordy. He's just kind of navigating the the lay of the offseason and what the expectations are for Tennessee in 2023 this football season. Here's part two of my convo with host of Locked On SEC. That's Chris Gordy. Opening, uh, looking at the schedule, it's a fun opener. I mean, Virginia, I don't think is very good, but um, it's going to be a fun one. I hate that it's already set for 11 a.m. Central, 12 Eastern, like early kickoff, but that, then Austin P. those should be nice, good warm-ups before you head to the Swamp. Yeah, and that, that game at Florida is going to be huge in week three. But you're right. you got to, you got to take care of business first. And you're you're exactly right in the in, in the uh, fact that it's a Power 5 opponent. Um, it's not a gimme, but they're not very good. And so that'll be a great warm-up in week one for what's going to be a home game, essentially, just yeah. not played at Neyland Stadium. And then Austin P. And then, of course, that Florida game's a tone setter, uh, Chris. You, you've got – you have a one in the Swamp since 03. You just – snapped a six game losing skid you know last year you've only beaten them twice since 04 i mean that's going to be huge for a team in florida that's down this year it's truly going to set the tone for the season in my opinion for tennessee yeah it it really is uh, when i run through the schedule i kept coming back to that florida game and just saying that that feels like it's the, the most important because it's you know the implications there and, and florida's down like you can't lose to those guys yeah. while they're down it's just it, it would it would it would definitely sidetrack the entire season. Outside of that game, what's what's the biggest pitfall you feel? Okay, so you, you're at Florida, of course. Um, I think an underrated game that no one's really talking about, of course, you know, because of what happened last year, South Carolina, mm-hmm. you know, comes to Neyland Stadium right before that bye week, and uh, you would think, I mean, Tennessee should have won that game last year. Of course, it didn't. Um, but being back at Neyland Stadium, you, you like the balls in that one at this point in time. But you have that bye week. Then you have a And M. What's a And M going to look like? You yeah. know, is 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 Jimbo Fisher allowing Bobby Petrino to call plays? And is he admitting it to the media yet? You know, I mean, goodness <laughs> gracious. But that team could be a total disaster, or it could be one of the sharpest looking teams in the SEC by that point. So, uh, and plus, they played Bama the week before, and Tennessee has a bye week. So I think that's huge as a home game. Then, of course, you get the third Saturday in October in Alabama. You go to Kentucky. Those games are going to be truly tough, and all that's leading up to Georgia. So, it's another SEC schedule. There's uh, not too many off weeks. I got crushed by Tennessee fans. No. Because I said, I think they might lose that Kentucky game. And they're like, we don't lose to Kentucky. I'm like, guys, Kentucky's actually a pretty good squad. So you got to tote that line. Um, 
I give mad respect to Kentucky because, again, I think Stoops is good. I think they got a tremendous upgraded quarterback. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've been very respectful of Kentucky in the past, but you always got to follow it up with. But, again, this is a team that Tennessee historically yeah. has had no issue with, just like historically Florida has not really had any issue with Tennessee as well. But right. to your point, I think Kentucky, yeah, I mean, uh, questions on the offensive line. Uh, they got to figure that out, of course. Uh, can you get back to being one of the best running games in the SEC? And, of course, I think you just got a whole lot better with without Will Levis and in steps in Devin Leary. If Devin Leary is Devin Leary of 2021, yeah, I mean, Kentucky's going to surprise a lot this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Kentucky's got one of the most underrated receiving cores in, in the yeah, SEC. Yeah, with Key and Barry on Brown and, and Tavion Robinson's yeah, back. Yeah, Tavion Robinson, I mean, yeah. It's a pretty good collection of, of receivers. And those freshmen last year are going to be even better as sophomores. No. Um, of course, the Alabama game, everybody points to. It's fascinating, though. Come October 21st, will Alabama have their quarterback thing? They'll have it figured out, but, like, what's that starter look like at that mm -hmm. point? Is he going through some ups and downs, some trial and error? Um, I think it's a good spot. I mean, you know, every all the Alabama fans jumped on revenge game. We're, we're going to stick it back to Tennessee and all that. But, again, like, I don't know what Alabama's going to look like. So, a winnable game for Tennessee, but they're going to have to play really well. Yeah, of course, and plus it's going to be on the road. Um, right. You know, Alabama, damn good roster, damn good football team, and and even if you don't have as talented of a quarterback, you're still going to be good, right? I mean, remember Alabama, you know, from the early 2010s. I mean, it was, it was a great defense, great run game, game manager, quarterback, and you won national championships that way. It's we haven't seen that lately, but potentially that could be what it is this year. Um, he just brought in Nick Saban. Just brought in one of his, arguably his best recruiting class ever, <laughs> as a head coach. So, um, I don't believe it's going to be Jalen Milrow. I think it's going to be either Ty Simpson or a Tyler Buckner. But you're right; there will be some growing pains, and that game's going to be on the road. But just knowing, if you're Tennessee, just knowing that you did it, I think it's one of the biggest things. Like you, you beat Alabama last year. Yeah. It it is not impossible. It can <laughs> be done. Uh, I think that should give them confidence. Plus, they should be playing pretty well at that point in the schedule. So we'll see. Yeah, finally breaking through and winning that game. Yeah. Got you know. It, can they make it back to back? I mean, goodness. Uh, yeah. Knoxville burned down. Um, <laughs> last thing for you, give me the prediction. What's what's the record right now? You you could change before the season gets here, but where do you have Tennessee right now? Uh, I could change. Get twelve yeah. and zero. A twelve and zero. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, again, I think the expectation. I, I think maybe we've even talked about this. I think the expectation should be where you were last year, but knowing if you come up a game short of that. It's okay. I mean, you lost. I mean, that's still, in my opinion, that's still sustaining su success. I mean, you lost Hendon Hooker, Jalen Hyde, Cedric Tillman, Byron Young, Darnell Wright. You lost all these guys, and, and you still get nine regular season wins. I think that'd be a heck of a year. So I, I think this team can win 10 games. I do. But there's also a couple of toss-up games that can go uh, either way. I say 10 wins, uh, but if Tennessee finishes with nine wins, I think that's a good year. And I think that further solidifies that Tennessee is back, and it's not going to be a, a Texas situation. All right, I lied. One more for you, Nico. Iamaliaba. <laughs> yeah, can't still can't say it. Um, how much do we see of him this year, and how much will we get to if Milton struggles at all? Do fans start calling oh. for him? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> One first, the first incompletion, Gordy. I mean, come on, this is overthrow Joe. This is yeah. the eight million dollar man on the bench, right? Reportedly. Um, if all goes well, you're not going to see much of Nico unless, you know, it's a blowout situation, kind of like Joe last year. And, and Nico is a competitor, of course, but he's come in. He said, uh, that's what he told us in spring. He was like, hey, I want to be to Joe what Joe was to Hendon last year. I want to be another set of eyes. I want to be a sponge. I want to soak up all these knowledge. I want to be a resource for him. He's like, hey, 
this is Joe's team. Doesn't mean I'm not competing. Doesn't mean I'm not trying because I am. But I recognize this is Joe Milton's team. So um, if you're a Tennessee fan, hopefully you don't see a whole lot of them. But yes, I mean, if Joe Milton struggles continuously, uh, you know, depending on where Nico is in his progression, you know, you probably will get a look a little bit. And uh, the the anticipation and the clamoring for the fans will 100% be there. So uh, again, what does Joe Milton look like in week six, week seven? I, I am so intrigued to see what he can do week after week after week. Great stuff there, as always, with my friend Chris Gordy. Um, your second listen, all right? Your second watch on YouTube that's locked on SEC. Gearing up for football season. Camp right around the corner. We got Josh Ward coming up for a little Ward Wednesday action here in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over on LinkedIn. Every new potential hire right now can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You, me, we have all put our resumes online at LinkedIn with hopes of bettering our future, finding the next step in our career. Now maybe you are where you are in, in terms of your career and, and uh, you know, hosting, a, owning a small business, but you, do, you don't just want to trust anybody. It's got to be someone that you feel is qualified and the best to, to take care of your hard-earned money and your baby, which is your practice and your business. You can find those candidates that will help you the best way over at LinkedIn Jobs. All you need to do is uh, you know, post your job, let them know you're hiring, and they'll have simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview and then ultimately hire. It is why small businesses rank LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering qualified candidates uh, versus hires to its leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and for free. Post your job for free right now over at LinkedIn.com. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. To post your job for free, terms and conditions do apply. Hey, welcome back into Locked On Balls. It is Wednesday, so we're going to check in with our guy Josh Ward for Ward Wednesday. Josh, he is the co-host of Josh and Swain on 99.1 The Sports Animal, weekdays noon to 3. And a uh, lot, lot going on right now. SEC Media Days in the rearview mirror. Fall camp starting next week. Uh, not having to programming a show right now, Josh, is not that difficult to do. Yeah, we have a lot going on and excitement about Tennessee's start to the season. If you think about the last few years, even a year ago, a lot of the talk was going 8-4, and 9-3, and three, building off a solid first year under Josh Heupel. This year we're talking about what does Tennessee have to do to win a championship, and that's real. Now, Tennessee's an underdog against Georgia, but the Vols had a lot of buzz in Nashville around the quarterback, around the state of the program, and I think fans are very excited about that and should be. Yeah, no doubt about it. Coming off a 11-1 season, and you lose an awful lot of talent, but you return some as well. And the conversation, you know, holding Tennessee for the very last part of media days last week because it's the home state school and everything, but there was so much attention to Joe Milton, and you and I were talking about off-air before we hit record here, and I'm going to write about it and probably bring it on this podcast tomorrow. Joe Milton had a lot of good things to say on the day, but specifically when he was with on Radio Row with Josh and Will, did it again, with Tyler and Will, <laughs> uh, of course, at the Sports Animal, he had some great things to say about during the 2021 season when he got hurt, Kind of had to look himself in the mirror and be like, hey, am I good enough to be here? And I thought that was really, really telling. Yeah, I did too. I thought it was the strongest comment he made of the day. And Joe had a lot of interesting things to say. But to say that, yeah, you know what? I, I question, 
is this game for me? Am I meant to be a starter at this level in the SEC? Because it had not worked out in Michigan. And then again, at least at that time, it was not working out at Tennessee. But he also looked himself in the mirror as kind of the accountability mirror and said, you still have the talent. You still have the arm. You still have the ability to connect to your teammates. And he bought back in. And I'm sure I'd, I'd love to talk to him or to coaches about it, about what they knew, what conversations they had, because I'm sure part of it was Josh Heupel and Joey Halsley, I would imagine, as the quarterback's coach and maybe Alex Golish at the time as the OC, telling him, hey, stay in it. You know, we're going to need you at some point. You're still going to have an opportunity. And we do know that Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton had such a strong relationship that I'm sure they talked about a lot of things behind the scenes. But I thought it was telling that Joe was willing to admit that considering what we see. We see this calm, collected, cool guy that knows what kind of talent he has. But it's reminded everybody that it's easy to doubt yourself or to question your ability no matter what you've accomplished previously. But Joe bought back in, continued to dedicate himself and I think a lot of us have talked about the fact that he decided to stay. He had transferred once, but he decided, I'm going to stick this out here and see what kind of opportunity I can find. And now he has a really good opportunity at Tennessee. Yeah, look at Chris Ludlam. Um, You can transfer twice if you're a graduate student. So he could have transferred easily, I guess, after that 2021 season would have been his fourth season. And if you're a college athlete, you take summer classes all all summer long. So you you probably have enough credits to go ahead and graduate. Anyway, I thought that was really cool. Going to revisit that later in the week. Um, I wasn't surprised Vols picked second in the East. I wasn't surprised Tennessee was picked fourth or got the fourth most votes to win the uh, SEC outright behind, of course, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, and then there's Tennessee. Any surprises in the predicted order of finish? No, not really. The West couldn't have surprised me really with any kind of order just because it's so difficult. Um, I kind of thought that LSU might get the pick out of the West, just considering how much talk there was around LSU. But I can't sit here and tell you, Eric. I'm surprised Alabama was picked to win the Western division. I do wonder, are we going too far with the assumption of Georgia winning the SEC? I say that collectively. I know everybody's not picking Georgia. I picked Bama to win the SEC title. Uh, I did buy in a little bit to, I guess at this point, I bought in a lot to the motivation that Alabama talked about, but also just the overall talent they have. Quarterback's a question. That's a very important position, but uh, I think we can go too far with the assumption. A year ago, Alabama was the runaway pick in the SEC. LSU was picked fifth in the West, and they won the division. So uh, we're we're wrong a lot. We, again, meaning the collective media, but uh, Tennessee being picked second, I think, was, was easy there behind Georgia. They were the clear favorite. I think the East is actually a little more complicated complicated considering South Carolina's schedule and I think Kentucky's being slept on a little bit but the order of finish was about where I expected it to be going in you know it's funny um we, we make lighthearted jokes at times about how coaches will say whatever to motivate their team like Georgia last year you know saying Georgia sucks who said that nobody said that Georgia sucks last year but yeah seven and five is what people were talking about according to uh, some of Georgia's players but if you're Alabama this year, literally, and again, a lot of they got votes to win the SEC. They they got picked to win the, to, to be first in the West. But there are a lot of people who are doubting Alabama this year, and that can be actually real life situation where you can say, okay, yeah, I do remember everybody was sleeping on Alabama. Yeah, like if so, most people watching, listening to us right now are Tennessee fans, right? Tennessee fans don't want Alabama to be 
extra motivated. Not that Tennessee's going to lag motivation going to Tuscaloosa, but that's a big game. And Alabama's already going to be motivated to get revenge against Tennessee. And if you have a team that has figured out its quarterback position, and I still give Alabama the benefit of the doubt that they'll be fine yeah. at that spot. But I think the offensive line can be better. I think they'll have a good chance to run the ball really well. And I actually think the receivers will be better than what they had last year. Replacing Bryce Young is a big deal, but and, and Will Anderson too. But starting with Dallas Turner is a pretty good way to have to replace Will Anderson. And having all that other talent, plus an offensive line that's maybe refocused, can help with having to replace Bryce Young, plus everybody recognizing we have to pick up our game. So, yeah, don't if you are sleeping on Alabama and riding them off, I would just be careful there. I also say that recognizing Texas Week 2 is going to be tough, and the schedule for Alabama is not easy. That includes Tennessee coming to town because if that offense is not electric and they do still have some questions in the passing game well then Tennessee's going to have a chance to to put up some points and say can you keep up with us because last year you couldn't all the way to 52 points and that was with Bryce Young but uh, I, I also w- will say this on Tuesday's show at the start of Josh and Swain I came in and, and said are we are we just are we too confident again collectively on Georgia's side and part of the reason I bring that up is Tennessee you know, trying to catch Georgia, because I do think Tennessee is the number one contender. That's the way it was voted. That's the way I see it. And the schedule for Georgia, I don't think is easy. I think it's easy by Georgia standards. I think it's easy because of who Georgia is. But no. th- there are only a few teams that I think can realistically get Georgia. I have Auburn on that list. That's that's kind of a sneaky middle-of-the-season road game, just like Missouri was a year ago. Going to Tennessee is going to be difficult. The issue there is that's a November 18th game. Tennessee has to worry about so much more than Georgia before it gets to the Georgia game to try to win the East. Quickly, just just answer this. You don't have to give a, a, a you know extended answer, but who's going to quarterback Alabama? Who's your pick to quarterback Alabama? Milrow. I think okay. it's going to be Jalen Milrow. Uh, it could be Buckner. I'd be surprised if Ty Simpson is the pick, at least at the start of the season. I also could see Alabama saying, let's play a couple of guys in the opener they need to figure out where they're going at the position by week two. So I think it's going to be Milrow. They'll be careful in what they call for him in the passing game early on, let him get into some kind of rhythm, and they do their best to run all over their opponents. And Eric Ainge actually mentioned this earlier this week when I was in the car and I heard him and Brian, uh, you know, if it is Milrow, I mean, if it's any quarterback, but especially Milrow, like you got to know that he's your guy so you can start calling things to help him and, and kind of enhance his games and yeah. to make he's it a, comfortable He's for a him. super athlete. He yeah. is so dynamic. With the football, uh, it, you know, having to fill in for Bryce Young, made some mistakes, not taking care of the ball. That that has to change, no doubt. But uh, I thought it was telling when he didn't transfer. When Buckner transferred in, I thought, okay, is Milrow going to exit out and maybe go to a, a school back in Texas? And he stayed. And I think there's yeah. a reason for that because they told him, do not give up here. You still have a really good chance to be the starter. Are you surprised Joe Milton, uh, again, preseason is you know laughable anyway. The fact that there's three teams in preseason is just hilarious. But are you surprised mm-hmm. Joe Milton was voted uh, number three, a quarterback on the, on the preseason team? Well, not really. Uh, I wasn't totally confident. I was confident in who the first two guys would be mm-hmm. in one order or the other. I thought it would be uh, Daniels at LSU and then Jefferson at Arkansas. But number three, you could make a case for a number of guys, including Milton, including Rodgers, where he shared the vote, including Spencer Rattler with his experience in college. Rodgers is probably being slept on because of what he's done in the past, but with how things have changed with the passing of Mike Leach. It, but if I had, had if I had to predict who it would have been, 
I'm going to say Devin Leary at Kentucky because I think he's worthy of that distinction. But that's why I come back to I think Kentucky's being slept on because I think Leary at quarterback is being slept on. He's a newcomer, and there are questions at Kentucky with the offense. But with Cohen coming back, the O-line having to be better and good talent at running back and receiver around Leary, I think he's going to have a big year if he stays healthy. And that's why you know that game for Tennessee is one to not sleep mm-hmm. on. Tennessee blew out Kentucky last year, was not competitive. That doesn't mean that's how it's going to be this year. That game follows Alabama. That's another big game for Tennessee going to Lexington. And Devin Leary, if you can get back to 2021, Devin Leary. He was really good. Shoot. He was hurt last year towards Pictorio, I believe. But uh, he was one of the best quarterbacks in, in the country, in my opinion, in 2021. Uh, last thing, man, we'll talk more fall camp next week because it'll be Wednesday next week. It'll be the first official day of practice. Uh, you were there all week long. I was just there on Thursday, but you were there all week long. You saw players and coaches come in. and um, Anything else that was big, big-time takeaways from not even just Tennessee, but maybe – any other team uh, this past week at SEC Media Days? Yeah, a couple related to Tennessee. One would be the big story at the start of the week in terms of a storyline during that day, and that was Texas A&M, what's happening with the play calling. I'm still a believer that A&M will be improved. How could they not be on offense from where they were a year ago and that it probably works out? I thought Jimbo Fisher made it more dramatic talking to the collective media than it had to be in terms of play calling. He could have easily just said, look, Bobby came in as the OC for a reason. He's really good at what he does. That includes calling plays. We'll have communication, but we're going to be better offensively because we brought in Bobby Petrino. But he didn't say it that easily in front of everybody, so it became a bigger storyline than it probably had to be. But that's a big question going in, and of course, Tennessee will host Texas A&M. The other takeaway I had, which was not really apparent unless you were paying attention, and that was... I didn't really notice anybody talking about Florida. Florida came and went without much conversation. A Florida beat writer said to me, does anybody know the Gators are here today? There just wasn't much discussion. Maybe a little bit, but very little. You had to look for it regarding Florida. And that's, of course, an important game for Tennessee. First SEC game. You go on the road. It's a night game. I think it's the most important game of the season for Florida. And it's one Tennessee needs to get to go where they want to go this year to open up SEC play. And it's just, it's it's important for different reasons. It used to be important over the last few years for Tennessee to try to get jump-started to prove people wrong. Well, that's Florida now. Tennessee's in the position where it projects as the favorite going to Gainesville against the team that everybody's counting out. But it's still an important game for both sides. And again, I think the most important game of the season for Florida. But, I mean, you covered Tennessee for Cumulus since, like, I mean, you were, what, 15? How many times has Tennessee been the favorite and still lost in the series, right? I mean, it just goes to show you, you, of -hmm. course, the team won't, but as fans, you shouldn't sleep on Florida. Yeah, I mean, going to Gainesville, they just haven't been the favorite. So this is uncharted territory. And then at times in the last, what, 10 years, a little more than that, like 2012, here's the example of that fear that might set in going into that game. 2012, Tennessee hosting with Will Muschamp as the coach and Tennessee all fired up for the game. And game day in town, Will Muschamp was asked about playing in that environment. He said, we always play well here, and we will today. And I remember thinking, uh-oh. And <laughs> Florida Florida's going to go in quietly confident uh, about playing Tennessee. This is not to scare Tennessee fans, by the way. I want to be clear. Tennessee should win that game. Yeah, Tennessee I think Florida's going to be awful. That, yeah. That's just my I, opinion. But yeah. just like, knowing this rivalry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but – Fans also know how college football works, and I don't need to explain any further. So that's why Tennessee, that's a take-care-of-business game. And if Tennessee does that, 
there will be even more confidence in probably Joe Milton and the team. And if you have a, a back-to-back winning mark against Florida, it's been 20 years, Eric, since Tennessee was able to make that happen, about. It's been 20 years since they won in Gainesville. So that's another one on the checklist that fans want to see to show that Tennessee football really is back to being a competitor at the very top of the SEC. He is Josh Ward. You can find him on Twitter at Josh underscore Ward. He and Swain have the uh, newsletter that comes out every single Friday morning. There's a link to it in the description of this video and audio podcast. And, of course, Josh and Swain every single weekday, noon to 3 on 99.1 The Sports Animal. Josh, thanks so much, man. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Great stuff, as always, from our friend Josh Ward every single Wednesday right here on the show. Check out his show over at 99.1 The Sports Animal, noon to 3. Your boy is going to be on there with them this Friday. So if you're in the Knoxville area or streaming on that app, uh, listen in to me and Josh on uh, the Josh and Swain Show, 99.1 The Sports Animal. Okay, so it took a couple of days off, but getting back into our Scouting the Opponent series. We've gone through the first five games. There's a bye week, and now we return uh, to, to truly start that gauntlet, if you will, you've got AM, you've got Alabama, you've got Kentucky on the horizon, but we're going to tune in and hone in on the Aggies here today. And, and I think it's so interesting because who the hell is AM going to be this year? Um, it can be, I mean, again, we, we've heard, I've said it, you've read all offseason long, potential boom, but also potential bust. Jimbo Fisher, seventh season in College Station, only 39 wins. Six seasons, only 39 wins, entering seventh season, and that buyout is so high, and it's so um, astronomically high. I don't know why anybody would – I mean, shout out to his uh, – I'm sure it's Jimmy Sexton. Shout out to his agent uh, for getting that done because, goodness gracious, he would have been fired by now, and he might not even be fired this offseason if it's a mediocre year because that buyout is still north of $50 million. I think right now, or at least last offseason – it was like $76 million. It's insane, whatever it is. Um, so nonetheless, it's just wild. So you come in here and you got Jimbo Fisher coming to Neyland Stadium after the bye week, and it's a big-time game. Um, A&M could be really, really good at this point in time, or they could be struggling. Uh, they do play. They host Alabama the week before coming to Neyland Stadium. Tennessee, on the other hand, has a bye week to get ready to go for AM. It's going to be week seven, game six of the schedule, coming off a of bye week, as I mentioned, October 14th in Knoxville at Neyland Stadium. Texas AM, I mentioned just playing Alabama, so it's going to be a tough stretch for the Aggies, especially going on the road. 2022, very disappointing. Five and seven, only two Southeastern Conference wins. Two and six was that record for AM inside conference play. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, I mentioned his record overall in six seasons at, at AM, 39 and 21. But overall, as a head coach, obviously, there's a reason why he's always talked about and, you know, being top 10 head coaches actively right now. 15th year overall, 122 and 44. So oh, nearly half of his, almost to the point, um, half of his losses in his coaching career have been during the six year run at AM. So 2022, the offense was. Just straight abysmal. It was not good at all. It ranked 13th in the SEC with 22.7 points per game. It ranked 12th in the SEC with 360.8 yards of total offense a game. 13th in third down conversions. 13th in the SEC in passing efficiency. So, you know, Jimbo, offensive coach, quarterback guru, right? Not getting it done. You bring in Bobby Petrino, and again, this is one of the best and most talked about offseason uh, points of emphasis this year. Bobby Petrino. 
Uh, Jimbo Fisher got up there at SEC Media Days last week and wouldn't say that Bobby Petrino was going to call plays. Jimbo, for your sake, buddy, you're bringing in a proven play caller and a guy that's been around and done that for a long time. Um, you know, why don't you go ahead and just let everybody know? Swallow your pride a little bit, buddy. Let everybody know that Bobby Petrino is going to call those plays. At least it would be in your best interest to be a CEO, a manager. Let him run the offense and see if things change. Um, we'll see if his pride will allow him to do that. I vote not. So again, you know, you're five games into the season, six games into the season for AM. They could be a train wreck or they could be a surprise. So, we'll, I mean, the talent's there. By the time you get to Tennessee, we'll just have to see. Uh, Connor Wagman. Uh, you know, came on as a true freshman last year, started towards the end of the season, five games, four starts, 896 passing yards, eight touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, completion percentage not good, though, only 55%, but again, a true freshman, that has got to improve. But you liked what you saw from Connor Wagman, and he's been you know, quoted as being slept on in the SEC, or at least there's been writers and, and journalists around the Southeastern Conference that have said that, you know, Connor Wagman is a guy that no one's really talking about. Well, you know, we'll see, but in, in, in slim pickings last year, he did a pretty decent job. Uh, former Texas A&M starting quarterback Haynes King transferred to uh, Georgia Tech over the offseason. You still have Max Johnson, who was once upon a time at LSU. Uh, he's still on the roster. Four games last year for A&M, 60% completion, uh, six, 517 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. But this is Connor Wagman's uh, starting gig right now. And we'll have to see how he does with uh, you know truly being the starting quarterback. Good news for him, you do return your top four pass catchers. Uh, highlighted by wide receiver um, Evan Stewart, who led the team with 53 receptions, 649 yards with a pair of touchdowns. And tied in Donovan Green, 22 receptions, 223 yards, and two touchdowns. So that's good. He's got some toys to play with. The running backs, you've got to replace an all-conference guy and an NFL draft pick from last year, Devin Achane, and I never learned how to say his name because, again, Tennessee never played against him. I think he was hurt in that 2020 game. I could be wrong. But he was a really, really good player. You know, saw him play for years. Obviously, you did too. Really good player. they got to replace him, and that's a big question mark for AM right now. You bring in five-star freshman Ruben Owens, um, but, again, he's just a freshman, but a lot of hype there. you got a Marnie. Uh, Amari Daniels and Le'Veon Moss, who returned to AM, but they only combined for a little over 300 yards rushing last season. So the run game is going to be a question. You flip the script to the defense, and where the offense was so, 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 so bad, the defense wasn't, it was kind of middle of the road. And I'll tell you this in a moment the kind of some similarities to Tennessee, if you will. Um, the rush defense was the worst in the SEC by a country mile. This rush is on the ground a game on average. No other team in the SEC allowed 200 yards, and I think the 13th place team in the league, and I forgot who it was, allowed like 25 yards less. So on average, AM allowed 208 yards rushing a game. Horrific. Horrific. On the flip side, though, okay, it was not only the best pass defense in the Southeastern Conference, but it was the best pass defense in the nation statistically last year. It surrendered only 156 yards passing through the air. That was the best in the nation. I say this a lot of time, and I've even said this about Tennessee. Fair is fair, right? Tennessee's rush defense last year was second best in the SEC. It was really good. Its pass defense was 12th in the SEC or 13th in the SEC. Was not good. So you see a little bit of that here with AM as well. The rush defense was so bad. 
that the pass defense, because people, <laughs> why throw it when you could run it on AM? So again, you, you got to look at both sides of the coin here when looking at some of these stats. And again, that's for every team, Tennessee uh, included. Up front, you bring back defensive tackle McKinley Jackson and a defensive end Fadil Diggs. Uh, both those guys return, but they missed significant time last year with injury. So getting those guys healthy is crucial for AM. Um, the defensive line overall last year, only 19 sacks. That was 13th in the SEC, only fewer than, I want to say, Kentucky. Uh, not a good stat there from AM, and that's why it struggled an awful lot in terms of uh, defense overall last year. Linebackers Chris Russell, 66 tackles. He was third highest on the team last year. Edger and Cooper comes in. Both of those linebackers combined for 15 tackles for loss a season ago. So that's pretty solid. The defense, which or the secondary, excuse me, the secondary, which was pretty solid, got even better this offseason. So as far as cornerbacks, you brought in multi-year starters at the Power Five level. Tennessee fans that follow recruiting will know this name, all right? Tony Grimes, who committed to North Carolina, started for a couple years. He transferred over to College Station this offseason. Josh DeBerry, a starter at Boston College, cornerback, also transferred in to uh, Texas A&M this year. And they those two guys are going to join Tyreek Chappell, who, who played in 12 games at cornerback last year for A&M. Uh, you also have Sam McGall, who transferred in from Florida State. So, again, pass defense was pretty solid for A&M last year and added to that via the transfer portal at the cornerback position. You look at safety, and uh, Dimitri Richardson, who had 73 tackles last year, led the team. Never a good sign when your safety is leading the team in tackles, but he comes back as well as Jordan Gilbert. The two starting safeties will return for Texas A&M. So, Massive game for Tennessee. Already on the schedule, Florida. You open with Virginia, of course, Austin P. You got Florida, UTSA, South Carolina, which we talked about on Friday, off week, and then AM. Who is AM going to be week seven of the college football season? I think everybody, everybody's wanting to know that, and I am too. But that's a look behind enemy lines, scouting the opponents right here on Locked On Vols, Texas AM today. All right, we've got a lot more to get into tomorrow. Going to go back and revisit some audio and video from SEC Media Days. Some good stuff from Joe Milton. He had an interview with uh, Josh or with uh, Tyler and Will at 991 The Sports Animal. Had some great stuff to say. I want to play some of that uh, and a whole lot more. We're getting ready for fall camp starting on Tuesday with Media Day. Practice number one is at Wednesday, and there's no better place to find all that and more than right here at Locked On Balls. Thanks so much for watching. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Like this video. Get in front of more Tennessee fans. Anywhere you get your podcast, Locked On Balls every single day, 30 minutes or less weekdays, all about Tennessee football. Appreciate you guys, and we'll see you tomorrow.